The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. They took Naomi, just like they took that man you saw yesterday. Just like they took all the rest. What happened in Mayfair? They rebelled against the rules about touching. They made sex lawful again. Well, sure. You legalize sex, next thing you know, people start smiling. And for that, they were murdered? If not, it would have spread. What? What would have spread? The disease? The thirst for freedom. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, February 24, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Yes, it's the thirst for freedom that motivates rational and moral people. But sad to say, too many Canadians have a thirst for tyranny. And last week, we watched as the protest in Ottawa turned from peaceful to violent, thanks to the police action in Ottawa and to nothing else. So apparently, when I suggested last week that Ontario Premier Doug Ford's constantly warning about the children with the protesters in Ottawa that that was a threat of violence against peaceful people, turned out I was right. That's because I know a fascist when I see one. And for those who understand our political crisis, the militaristic action taken against men and women and children simply for standing on the streets of Ottawa last weekend was not about the mere fact that they were protesting, quote-unquote, because if they were protesting for anything other than the freedom that individuals thirst for, Trudeau and the Canadian government would have been protesting right along with them, bending the knee, taking selfies. How do we know this? From everything they've said and done in the past. It's a matter of record. The real thing that Trudeau and those like him immediately fear is that the entire COVID narrative is crumbling and the truckers' freedom convoy in Ottawa has sped that process up exponentially. Every lie, every sinister intentional action to destroy the lives, health, and welfare of citizens everywhere will soon become common knowledge as more and more people waken to their political reality. This terrifies the likes of Justin Trudeau and the Canadian Parliament, whose fascist policies have created the very tyranny against which Canadians are protesting. He has been justifying his fascism based on a COVID narrative whose falsity is becoming more and more self-evident with each passing day. But we still have a long, long way to go as our continuing examples of the propaganda war against the word freedom itself will once again illustrate. Right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Now last week our show was entitled Word War Spree, Fascists vs. Freedom. 
I called it a word war because that's literally the kind of war being waged by the so-called deep state and the fascist media and politicians across the board. We reviewed a number of media editorials and commentaries condemning the Freedom Convoy and the word for which it was named. Today we will continue with that theme in an effort towards keeping us all critically aware of the epistemological crime that is being committed here. Define or be defined is a cardinal principle in politics, and for too long, those who see themselves on the right have allowed themselves to be defined by their ideological and political enemies. They've accepted the false associations of the right with things like fascism or with racism, when those collectivist concepts are only to be found on the left, which represents collectivism. That's where you get all the groupism and all the identity politics. It's the only place it can possibly exist. Everywhere you look, in the mainstream media, you'll find editorials and articles all attempting to redefine the word freedom so that it will mean entirely its opposite and therefore make it justifiable for the government to quash it entirely. The Infowar has now escalated into an all-out word war spree. At the heart of the conflict is the word freedom itself which is a concept that the left cannot tolerate nor defeat and that's because the word freedom above all means freedom from coercion as we said last week which happens to be another way of saying freedom from the left. That's exactly what it means. Those opposed to freedom want the power to coerce others, which is an exclusive <laughs> property of the left, let's face it. Individualism on the right operates on the principles of freedom and consent. Collectivism on the left operates on the principles of control and coercion. Since individualism is moral and collectivism is immoral, it should come as no surprise that the left is doing everything possible to denigrate the concept of freedom by morally equating it with the left's own ideals of coercion and violence. The left's attack on the concept of freedom is mirrored in its similar attack on the concept of the political right by associating it with fascism, which is explicitly left, and by inventing meaningless terms like alt-right or extreme right-wing. You know, the word extreme is merely a smear word. It means nothing. Extremely good, extremely bad. What's the difference? Extreme is meaningless. And of course, the alternate to right <laughs> is always left. So no matter how much you try to twist words to prevent understanding and to create confusion, alt-right is left. Give me a break. How can you can interpret it any other way? You can't put adjectives on things and expect that thing to suddenly turn from a cat to a dog. It just doesn't work that way. To win the war for freedom, it has to be understood that there are no degrees or variants of freedom. It's just freedom for the same reason that what's right is just right. No adjectives required. Now, censorship and propaganda have been government's primary weapon in an information war that has been extraordinarily effective thanks to the fake news media acting as a government-paid propagandist for the state. The propaganda war has now escalated from simply demanding that we get deadly and risky injections that do nothing for the purpose that governments and the fascist medical establishment are telling us, to a propaganda war demanding that we give up our freedom entirely for, of course, the collective good, which we should all know is a fiction that always translates into the individual bad. But then... If you've never picked up a history or philosophy book, how would you ever know that? 
In their ideological war against the concept of individual freedom, an army of propagandists have been publishing direct, undisguised attacks against freedom itself, and for my next example of this evil thing, I cite the very first article that I set my eyes on after last week's broadcast, and wouldn't you know it, it was deja vu all over again. It's not enough just to dismiss or ignore evil in irrational political propaganda. Because too many people end up believing it, not knowing how to respond to it, and making everyone's lives, including their own, a living hell on the process. Get a load of this despicable editorial, which appeared in the London Free Press on February 16, under the heading and subheading of What Do Convoy Backers Mean by Freedom? The protesters' definition has a repulsive stench to it, Albert Dumont writes. And I quote, Winter, according to Algonquin tradition, is a time of peace and appreciation of spirit, yours, mine, and that of all our relations. We are instructed by the Creator to be as quiet as we possibly can while the cold moons of winter pass. We do so to allow sacred Mother Earth time to rest so she can rejuvenate her energies properly. The so-called Freedom Convoy, there we go again, is disturbing the peace not only of the sleeping land, but also of many decent, kind-hearted, and law-abiding people living in Algonquin territory. <laughs> what is this, a cartoon? This non-sequitur is so bizarre and is obviously based on some kind of religious mysticism that I have to say is a complete new one to me. That the Creator requires us to be quiet during the winter months? I mean, who knew? Certainly not the truckers who aren't even in Algonquin territory. How would they know such a thing? <laughs> and why would they care? But the writer continues, Convoy supporters don't seem to give a damn about that. <laughs> I wonder just what kind of freedom they want to defend. Whose freedom? Theirs only? This is the same stuff that we read, we read in all the articles. The same, the, it's the same script. And of course, the convoy protesters have been very clear about that. The kind of freedom that prohibits coercion. Hello, that's the only kind there is. And by even asking such a question as whose freedom, theirs only, I know that Dumont has never researched or even looked at what has been said repeatedly over and over and over again by convoy supporters and, their, and the people who are organizing him that they want to defend everyone's freedom, including that of those who disagree with them. And by definition, if freedom's not a condition that applies to everyone, then it isn't freedom. There's no such thing as your freedom and my freedom and his freedom in a political or social context. You're either free from the coercion of another person or you are not. The writer continues, how can an individual claiming to stand up for freedom feel righteous in interfering and obstructing the freedom of innocent people so callously and so cruelly as some of the convoy supporters have done? Wow. Here we see something typical of liars and ideologues of the left. A series of floating questions and assertions that do not ever cite a single example or evidence to justify them. What the hell is this jerk talking about? What is he talking about? Give me an example. He writes, the leaders tell us the convoy is a peaceful one. Explain then who among them is going out into the streets and businesses of the city terrorizing innocent citizens. <laughs> wow. Well, that's for you to explain, Mr. Writer, Mr. Dumont, since you asserted it, you asked. Please cite me a single example of the convoy leaders who went out to the streets to terrorize innocent citizens. 
The supporters, he writes, of the convoy don't seem to give a damn about the fact that some among them are violent and mean-spirited. Oh yeah, like who? Again, give me an example. Please, could I have an example? <laughs> I can't get an example. But get, get this next assertion. They have forgotten that in a democracy, it's the majority that rules, not the minority. Well, this is ignorance in the highest degree. This is simply not true and never was except in the minds of collectivists, certainly not individualists, who practice the only political ideology consistent with democracy, individual freedom. Apparently, the author of this misinformation doesn't know that in a democracy, no one rules anyone. Majority rule is mob rule. It's not democracy by any legitimate or valid definition. Quote, A protest supporter declared on CBC radio that Parliament Hill was the hill she was prepared to die on. The horns of gigantic trucks pierced the sky in the background. The peace flame shivered meters away. A freedom fighter had spoken and the tone of the protest was set. There are convoy supporters in downtown Ottawa at this moment. You're not going to believe this. This is, this is unreal. I almost, I almost fell on the floor when I read this. Let me start again. There are convoy supporters in downtown Ottawa at this moment who believe that John A. Macdonald's plan to kill the Indian in the child was a good one. Some of them believe that Donald Trump is a savior sent to earth by God to make America great again. Some deny that the Holocaust has occurred. Some protesters have hate in their hearts for black folks, for government, for peace, and for democracy. I cannot believe quite personally, ladies and gentlemen, how the free press could even allow a piece of excrement like this to be printed. And again, cite me a single example of any of this. One example. I'm begging. I've been watching 24-7 coverage of the Ottawa protest, and what I saw was people of all races, colors, creeds, including aboriginals, coming together, united and peaceful in freedom. And make note of how this writer, Albert Dumont, keeps referring to the supporters of the convoy and attaching beliefs and action to them that are utterly false. How can he know that? He doesn't even give an example. Did he ask anybody? Judging by this essay, Dumont is an outright liar and apparently knows he can get away with it because in today's mainstream media, facts and evidence do not matter. He fits in perfectly. But still, some Ottawans brought coffee and food to pay homage to the protesters. These people are the salt of the earth, they declared, in defending their actions. <laughs> Think about it. Dumont thinks that people who admire the protesters and serve them some coffee, that they have to defend their actions. Meaning that he, Dumont, has already found the supporting Ottawans guilty of something. What do they have to defend? If I give you a coffee, I have to defend that? What kind of mind thinks like this? Let's consider a possible outcome to this protest. Let's imagine, though, it's not possible that the protesters win and all mandates connected to COVID are scrapped when and as they wish. Convoy participants go home happy as larks only to discover that a new convoy, much larger than theirs ever was, rolls into Ottawa spearheaded by truckers who believe certain health care mandates are keeping Canadians safe. <laughs> well, of course, this would never happen because it doesn't match reality. But if they believed such an anti-scientific and demonstrably false narrative, it would be up to them to prove their case and win the ear of the Parliament to make their case too. 
That's exactly what the Freedom Convoy was willing and able to do. They brought their own experts, their doctors, their, their legal experts, everybody. The government wouldn't talk to them because the government knew it would lose the argument. But Canada's politicians, all being fascist, could not withstand any measures of truth being contrasted against their lies. The new protesters state, we are not going anywhere until sensible mandates are restored. What would the supporters of the Freedom Convoy do then? Well, nothing, obviously. Why would they want to join a coercion and force convoy? I mean, if they want to sit there and people leave them there, why would they treat them differently than they expected themselves to be treated? Where, where do these assumptions come from? And he writes, keep in mind the fact that a vast majority of truckers in Canada support most of the mandates that the government have put in place. I have yet to hear one. Why would any trucker want to repeatedly, for the rest of his life, have to get boosters that only theoretically keep him vaccinated, quote-unquote, for a few weeks at a time, after which he would repeatedly be considered unvaccinated and always have to go for more boosters? It's utterly insane. The writer continues his insanity. The war on COVID is a war not yet won. Well, there never was a war on COVID. It's a war on humanity. The vile virus plaguing Canada's provinces has found an ally in the people of the Freedom Convoy. To them I say this, stop behaving as if you're the center of the universe. You are not. You are no more and no less special than I am, nor are you more special than any other human being anywhere on this planet. Your rights do not override mine. End quote. All screaming exclamation points. Again, utter gibberish. No one has behaved as if they were in the center of the universe other than this writer. And of course, Trudeau and the Canadian government, who don't even have the courage to listen to any of the truckers' concerns and go so far as to label them every left-wing pejorative in the book, words that describe the left, you know, racist, misogynist, whatever else they can think up of. The protester's definition has a repulsive stench around it, he writes. It reaches my home and sickens me, though I live 135 kilometers from the city. (laughs) Theirs is the kind of freedom I don't want anything to do with. (laughs) I can't believe any credible newspaper printed this. I mean, first of all, what definition of freedom is he talking about? I haven't heard one. You mean the one that says freedom means freedom from coercion, freedom from injustice, freedom from fascism, freedom from statist thugs? Clearly, Dumont is saying that the truckers all share some kind of single definition of freedom that he doesn't even know what it is, and he refuses to define it himself. The real question is, what does Albert Dumont define freedom as? I'd like to hear his definition of freedom. Because you know what? According to what he said in this essay, There is no such concept in his world view. Freedom cannot exist, either in the mind or in the reality of a person who thinks this way. This is sick. It cannot possibly exist if he believes in an utter medical myth that the vaccinated have some kind of right to demand that others make the same mistake they did. And if democracy is just a matter of majority rule, as Dumont insists, well, then when all of us on the side of freedom get, have a majority, we, what, we're going to force him to do our bidding? Of course we're not. Because that would be a contradiction in terms. That's not freedom. That's why this is a one-way street. Collectivists just want it all their way. His conclusion, it's winter. The season calls on you to go home and stay there. You've made your point. Live with the results, end quote. 
Wow. This guy's described as an Algonquin storyteller and spiritual guide. Well, he's a storyteller, all right. What an intolerant racist slimeball. Shame on him. His essay reflects the repulsive stench of the verbal and moral excrement that he's attempting to project onto freedom-loving people. I wonder how he feels about the Aboriginal woman who got trampled by the Gestapo agents. I already know. He doesn't give a crap about anyone other than himself. Yeah, I know. Judge not, lest ye be judged. And yes, I'm not only prepared to be judged for my opinion, but in fact, I already was judged by Dumont. And so I have a license to judge him. People like this need to be shamed. We aren't doing it enough. They spend all their time shaming people they know nothing about as long as they represent freedom. And then they express hatred towards them. That's all they do. That's the left. You know, what do they call it? Virtue signaling. Altruism. Nonsense. More fascist hatred and false news as it appears in our London Free Press when we return from this bit of insight offered by the always entertaining and factually reliable Alex Jones of InfoWars. What's happening in Canada? When Black Lives Matter, funded by George Soros and the globalists, almost all white people, went around murdering, killing, and burning down two plus billion dollars worth of people's homes, including homeless shelters, and Trudeau endorsed it and said it was wonderful. And when leftists took over areas that set up their own autonomous zones in Canada and the U.S., he endorsed it. But when peaceful truckers came for three weeks and took over the downtown area of the capital of Canada, Ottawa, he called them terrorists, he called them racist. You know what he did. And now he sent in thousands of paramilitary police to target members of the press and to target other peaceful individuals and take them to jail. This is staggering stuff. Uh, and it's, it's just so criminal. And it's all the Davos Group alumni admitting, build back better, great reset. We're doing this for Klaus Schwab. And then when the parliament that's been suspended demands, well, we should still be able to teleconference in and give speeches. But now it's only the speaker of the commons there, the speaker of the parliament. And, oh, you talked about Klaus Schwab. Oh, I can't hear your feed. Ooh. Oh, someone wants to comment? Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I listened to my colleague's speech. I had a constituent that wanted me to ask a question about outside interference to our democracy. Klaus Schwab is the head of the World Economic Forum, and he bragged how his subversive WWEF World Economic Forum has quoted infiltrated governments around the world. He said that his organization had penetrated more than half of Canada's cabinet. And I was wondering, in the interest of transparency, could the member please name which cabinet ministers are on board with the WEF's agenda? My concern is the deputy. Uh, order, order, order. I, I know he was. I know the, uh, the member was in a, a really good, good question there, but the, the the audio is really, really bad, and the video is really, really bad as well. Um, and I and I and I apologize. I don't know if if the member. Okay, uh, let's let's uh, let's try again. The honourable the, the, the honourable member for Timmins James Bay. Mr. Speaker, that member was promoting open disinformation that's not debate we have to call out disinformation uh, we'll get into debate again i mean a dude on a throne literally not letting you say it's klaus schwab why is that what have i been saying for two years you expose who runs this the corporate globalist attack 
and that it's above nation states and that it's their program to collapse society and then bring in a global social credit score and a universal basic income tied to the vaccine passport, which they announced again last week, and then they, they conquer the world. It's a corporate takeover. So what can they not handle? That being exposed. And then he suspends the parliament. But like the left always does, they give you a little out. Oh, you can call in on their Canadian C-SPAN. We'll still have the manager. He'll still be there. Oh, you called in? You're a member of parliament? Oh, no, no, no. Klaus Schwab's not involved in anything. You're not allowed. So see, oh, it's just like COVID, but now it's a martial law. No one's allowed in the parliament but the Zoom operators. See how not being physically there is so powerful? See how now most of the courts, even murder trials, are being done over the internet? Who knows if you're even actually talking to the person? Hey, Klaus Schwab brags he runs Trudeau and has captured our, our, our parliament. I'd like to know who he's captured. Well, you go look the names up. He's got people on his board of directors of the Bilderberg Group. That's job, they say, is to capture countries for the greater good and to remove the general public from the decision-making process. That's a quote. And what happens once the parliament knows about that? What happens once they go to his Wikipedia and see links to videos of him saying it? It's game over, you piece of filth. It's a family show, but I'm just going to say it. It's game over, mother You goddamn piece of sh**. You New World Order piece of trash. You eugenicist garbage. Excuse me. You want, excuse me for taking the Lord's name in vain. I apologize, but God forgives me. You couldn't be more disingenuous. You couldn't be more satanic. And it's, yeah, there's the woman that the horse runs over in a minute. I mean, <laughs> imagine growing up your whole life to be a cop, and then you're going to run over old women. I mean, I just, I can't even look at it anymore. But this is what evil is, ladies and gentlemen. This is who these people are. Notice the left didn't say get rid of the Canadian police, because they're lock, stock, and barrel in line. The good ones have already resigned. No, it's the better police departments they want to control because they don't have control yet. Look at this. Canadian police use pepper spray stun grenades to push clear of the Capitol. And I love this AP headline because this morning the headline was Canadian police use pepper spray stun grenades to clear the Capitol and restore normality. But I guess that was a little too obvious because it's not normality. Oh, back to checkpoints, back to vaccine checkpoints, back to forced inoculations, back to total surveillance, back to the normality. No, we want the normality back, dumbasses. That's why they're there protesting. And then the next clip is last year at the Kennedy Center with David Gergen, Klaus Schwab bragging that they've taken over parliaments all over the world, but he's most proud of Trudeau. Here it is. Um, when I mention our names, like Sis Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. 
So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economic right. forum. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I'm here with the president, with a young global leader, but... It's Klaus Schwab Kissinger. He's such a mass murderer, though. You think they're releasing the restrictions all over the world? No, they're getting ready to clamp them down 10 times tighter. They want you to relax so they can sucker punch you right in the gut. And I don't want you to relax because they're scared of you videotaping everything. They're scared of you talking to everybody you know. They're scared of you watching. They're scared of you right now saying the power's going off. Klaus Schwab did it. And you know why? You, you know why? Because we're winning. Humanity's coming back from the dead again. Humanity's waking up from the dead again. Humanity's coming together again. Humanity is seeing through the lies and the system cannot stand it and is going to try to overturn the tables. And predictably, of course, the Canadian Parliament, or whatever we should call it now, went ahead and passed its fake emergency act, an act they had already acted on before it was passed and without any real due process that would actually involve citizens. And it's now being made a permanent fixture of Canada's fascism. You know, the Emergency Act is just an act, and so much of this is fascist theater, intended to placate the Albert Dumonts of the country and to provoke the freedom folks into a confrontation that still has not happened. But now they can go ahead under their theatrical act of emergency to spin a narrative about some kind of insurrection that never happened. All I saw was police violence and intimidation on the side of the government and peaceful actions on the part of the people who were being attacked, herded, and treated like animals. But hey, the truckers might come back, says Trudeau, so permanent fascism is a necessity to save his government from the real emergency it faces, the possibility of being held accountable for the death and destruction of thousands of lives. More propaganda from the pages of the London Free Press. This one under the heading and subheading of Why Being Unvaccinated is a Problem for All. Right to choose is a flawed stand in a pandemic, Rewat Deonandan says. And he begins, As I write this, my home of Ottawa is under siege by a fraction of the population who believes their rights are being infringed upon by the rules around mandatory vaccination for some professions or some activities. <laughs> wow, talk about not understanding what's going on. Actually, they know that their rights are being infringed upon, particularly their freedom of association. It's not a matter of belief. And of course, Ottawa isn't under siege. Remember, all these articles right now that I'm citing were published one or two days before the real siege by the Canadian Gestapo, so don't confuse the two things. The author continues, Many of the protesters are unvaccinated and are directly affected by these rules, but many are vaccinated and support the quote-unquote right to choose. Protesters argue that it should not matter to the vaccinated whether or not others choose to accept vaccination. <laughs> well, but everybody does. We've been asking that question for two years. It's been repeated on this show. 
If you're supposedly vaccinated, then you're protected, aren't you? That's what vaccination means. It's not about protesters. It's about the logic and epistemology of the flawed argument behind this assertion. If I'm vaccinated against something, then whoever else is or isn't is totally irrelevant to my own status. That's the science. It always has been, and it still is. Before I explain why, writes the author, and I should point out this, this author is described as an epidemiologist, which is, makes it even worse. But he continues, Before I explain why, it's important to note that the Omicron variant has compromised the ability of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine to prevent actual infection and transmission, but retains awesome power to keep us out of the hospital and morgue. Three doses restore much of the jab's ability to prevent infection as well. Well, if you could even make sense of those last two statements, you're a better person than I. But again, what is said here is totally false. When the writer suggests that Omicron has quote-unquote compromised the prevention of infection, what he's saying is that the vaccines don't work. But hey, make sure you get a third one anyway. You know, sadly, the virus itself, particularly the the variant called Omicron uh, is a type of vaccine. That is, it creates both B cell and T cell immunity. And it's done a better job of getting out to the world population uh, than we have with vaccines. And the author, Raywat Deonandan, continues. So here are some reasons vaccinated people want the unvaccinated to get the jab. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. How about... Us unvaccinated people, we want you guys to undo your vaccination. That's as sensible as asking that. Anyways, he's got four reasons. Number one, the more people who become vaccinated, the more community immunity we have. <laughs> well, this is so absolutely false. It is beyond comprehension how any reputable epidemiologist can possibly say this. If the evidence presents us with anything, it's that the more people become vaccinated with this particular quote-unquote vaccine, the more spread of COVID seems to be reported. He continues, With Omicron so hyper-contagious, it is unlikely that we can reach true herd immunity. But every person who accepts full vaccination is a bulwark against transmission penetrating into the community. That greater transmission means that our vulnerable loved ones, such as children under five, or the vaccinated elderly, get this, the vaccinated elderly, who remain at higher risk of death, remain at unnecessary high levels of vulnerability. <laughs> this is such a... a uh, it's hard to understand this stuff. It's such a lie that I have to really work hard to contain my disgust with this. It is simply a demonstrated fact that children are absolutely not affected by either SARS-CoV-2 or any of asserted variants. Greater transmission means greater herd immunity. Talk about inverting the long-established science on this. Two, more penetration into the community means more breakthrough infections for the vaccinated. While vaccines offer great protection against hospitalization and death, that protection is not absolute. What a meaningless statement. Whoever said that was a goal. You know, the average efficacy rate of most flu vaccines is less than 50%, with some vaccines having 0% effect on a particular strain. And he writes, so every time the risk of breakthrough infection is raised, the risk of a vaccinated person becoming hospitalized or dying is also raised. 
Risk, 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 risk. That's all he talks about. No actual facts, no actual cases. Just risks, risks, risks. Wow. Number three, get this one. The unvaccinated are quote-unquote dry tinder for the runaway fire that is COVID-19. have to stop there again. This, this is demonstrably false. There is zero evidence and zero logic and zero experience for this. Not to mention COVID-19 ceased to exist way back in 2019. In some age groups, he writes, the relative risk of dying from not being vaccinated is greater than the risk of getting lung cancer from smoking. Now there's a non sequitur for you. <laughs> Cite one example of this, or how this risk was determined. I really like to see that. Show me a single individual who died from not being vaccinated. How can you even prove something like that? Anybody who dies who hasn't had a vaccination, you could say that about. Oh, that guy died. He didn't have a vaccination. Therefore, the lack of vaccination is the cause. This is so unscientific. It, 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 it borders on mysticism. He writes, according to the Ontario Science Table, <laughs> which of course is the political science toilet, the unvaccinated have six times more risk of being hospitalized than do the vaccinated and over 10 times the risk of ending up in ICU. Risk, 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 risk. Therefore, the unvaccinated are proportionately more likely to eat up precious healthcare capacity that the rest of us need for non-COVID emergencies. <laughs> wow. First of all, so what? Secondly, this is BS again, BS, 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 since it is metaphysically impossible to make comparisons like this. There's no data available on which to make it. The guy's making this crap up. I'm convinced of it. I, again, like, like the previous writers, they never give us examples. They just make assertions, you know? Number four, some studies, I'd like them to name one, have found that the unvaccinated pose a higher infection risk directly to the vaccinated. Risk, 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 there's risk. As the authors of one preprint study concluded, what does that mean, a preprint study? Quote, here we go again, while risk is associated with avoiding vaccination during a virulent pandemic, accrues chiefly to the unvaccinated, the choices of these individuals are likely to impact the health and safety of vaccinated individuals. So you see what he's saying? The choices of some affect the health of others. That, that's nonsense. It's totally BS. In fact, the authors computed, oh, they computed, that the unvaccinated raised the risk, 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 of infection for the vaccinated by a factor of more than six. Boy, that number six is a good one. Beyond, of course, the risk that they themselves pose to other unvaccinated people. <laughs> you know, these, are, these aren't medical arguments, even as false as they are. This is pure superstition. And I guess somebody never told them what Doug Ford has been saying lately. You know, you don't know if the person has a shot beside you or not, but we also know that it doesn't matter if you have one shot or ten shots, you can catch COVID. See, the Prime Minister has triple shots, and I, I know hundreds of people with three shots that caught COVID. Our epidemiologist continues, Those who wish to frame this debate around personal choice are not incorrect to do so. Wow, imagine that in the broadest sense. But they are wrong to suggest that the actions of those who choose not to vaccinate it do not affect the rest of us. Quite the contrary. End quote. That's the article. Well, the only way those inactions, not actions, I mean, how is 
not doing something now being called an action. But anyway, the only way those inactions affect the rest of us is that our fascist politicians are using our inaction as an excuse to lock everybody down. And people who actually take action to write garbage like this, yes, they do in fact affect the rest of us by spreading their ignorance and misinformation and propaganda, to put it politely. But then that's their mission, isn't it? Raywat Deonandan is an epidemiologist and associate professor with the Faculty of Health Science, University of Ottawa. Boy, he's right in the midst of the fascism. The irony of all this, of course, is that the protesters couldn't care less about the vaccines. It's the fascism that this country has resorted to that's what they object to. And that is precisely why the only antidote to fascism and all forms of totalitarianism is freedom. And that is why the viral fascists don't want to be exposed to the condition that would destroy them. If it looks like something out of Belarus, it is, but it's happening right here in North America. When they arrived downtown, the police shattered truckers' windows and dragged the drivers away. They need several demonstrators in the head. At one point this afternoon, horses began trampling Canadians as they protested. You're seeing that footage on your screen right now. The horses ran over several demonstrators, including a woman on a mobility scooter. Reportedly, one man had a heart attack in the face of all of this, at least one. Instead of helping, the police stood around him. This kind of violence, sponsored by Justin Trudeau, continued all day. Police repeatedly tackled Canadians, arrested them for the act of protesting. Journalists for the act of filming it, on camera. Here's just one example. So here's the definition of tyranny. It's oppressing your own citizenry, ignoring the most basic standards of human rights, and then preventing the rest of the world from seeing what you're doing. And that is exactly what Justin Trudeau has done. He's ordered police to target independent media. There aren't many in Canada. They're the only reason we know what's happening there tonight. But that's exactly what Trudeau's forces have been doing. Today, they threatened to throw a Fox News camera crew in jail. A rebel news reporter was thrown to the ground. Police also arrested the live streamer Zot, someone whose footage we've been using for two weeks now. They arrested him while he was recording. So where's our State Department on this? This is our closest ally in the world. Canada is one of our biggest trading partners. We share a border of 5,500 miles with Canada. So what happens in Canada is of deep concern to the U.S. government. Our State Department exists to wag its finger in the faces of foreign governments and lecture them about human rights. But Joe Biden's State Department has said not a word. We called them today to see if they had any reaction at all to the suspension of civil liberties in Canada, and they didn't. They refused to condemn any of it or even comment. The, the, the people that will survive are the ones that have the highest genetic predisposition uh, for survival or a hierarchy or they're more robust and so on. See, that system inevitably devolves into a, looking at humanity in three ways. One is the superhuman, called the ubermensch. The other is human, and the other is subhuman. Now, it sounds like a fairy tale, right? Except that if you go back 80 years ago, this philosophy led to the 
global war and death of over 200 million people. So it's not a fairy tale. And what do I, what do I mean? The Nazis believed the Aryan, that the Aryan race was descendant of Nordic gods, and they used to call themselves Ubermenschen, superhumans. They believed that the Anglo-Saxons, the Europeans, basically, Western Europeans, were human and were meant to be subjugated and enslaved to serve the superhumans. And the subhumans, the Jews, the gypsies, the Slavs, the handicapped, and those that politically didn't agree with the Nazis, uh, were subhuman and were meant to be turned into vapor, dust, by being uh, burnt or buried alive and um, and murdered. Forty of which, forty of them were my 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 family. So this way of looking at humanity exists, and it didn't go away after World War II. It just went to sleep. It's resurfaced now, but it's not anti-Semitic, to be honest. It's a completely different way of delineating who is uh, superhuman and who is not. There's a, a group of people that really believe in their own superiority, that believe that they have a higher level of consciousness, that they've evolved to a, a state of enlightenment that enables them to dictate to others or to the world how many people should be in the world, how long you should live, and other uh, details. For example, in 2015, Bill Gates, a TED lecture. So going back to, yeah, so Bill Gates makes an announcement that the world population needs to be reduced. He has his calculations and, and global warming, whatever his calculations are. So I'm, let me ask you a question. What kind of human being feels that he has the right to make a statement like that? Well, a sociopath. And someone who feels that he is God or God-like. And this is nothing new under the sun. The history is filled with these types of despots and tyrants that had uh, delusions of grandeur and felt that it was their prerogative to enslave others. Then if you look in 2016, uh, there's a guy named Klaus Schwab on the World Economic Forum. He gave an interview in, in French. And he said that within 10 years, everyone will be tagged with a digital identifier. Again, it's a matter of a record. So what, what entitles a person to make that type of statement? And then if you look at the agenda of these people, which has now become the 2030 plan for the UN, it's just some very interesting things. One is America will no longer be a superpower. Number two, this is my favorite, you will own nothing and you will be happy. What kind of person feels entitled to dictate such a policy? You will own nothing, you will be happy. Because they will own everything. And everyone else will be equally miserable or dead. Or another one is you won't eat meat except on special occasions. I mean, the type of detail of micromanagement of, of our lives to take away our free choice that they're planning actively, and th th these are policies set into motion already, is not a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy. It's not a theory because it's happening. It is true. And all you need to do, listen, it's not a theory if you didn't do your due diligence and didn't look into the facts. Okay. It's out there. The information is there. There is a conspiracy. There's a conspiracy to 
restructure. There's a book written by Klaus Schwab called COVID-19, The Great Reset. That term, Great Reset, has become a favorite term of uh, political leaders. There's a active attempt to reset the way humanity lives. And let me tell you what they're trying to reset, your freedom and your life. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Now, just as a punctuation to these official editorials, here are a couple of simple letters to the editor. The first one written by Gordon A. J. under the heading, Protesters Go Home. Where was CSIS over the last year? What is going on in Canada today should never have happened. Or in other words, Gord saying the Gestapo should have been called in even before there was anything to call about. To develop, plan, finance, and provide workable logistics to this insurrection where unprecedented lawlessness has been directed against Canadian citizens and democracy would have taken many months to develop and execute. <laughs> wow. Well, if you're looking for unprecedented lawlessness, Gord, just look at our parliaments and legislatures. Making laws up on the spot to suit your immediate criminal objectives does not make those actions lawful. That is an abandonment of the rule of law and is, in fact, the rule of men. Who is asleep at the switch here in Canada, writes Gord. Well, you, Gord, and you're not only sound asleep to this day, you've become one of the walking dead, a zombie simply repeating the utter crap you've been reading in the so-called newspaper that you're writing this letter to. To the Canadian citizens waging war against Canada, I have to ask, how much foreign money did you get to cause you to turn against Canada? Your cause has no credibility to do what you are doing simply because you do not like Prime Minister Trudeau. Wow. Yeah, right. So this guy thinks it's all about not liking Trudeau. Talk about blind. Talk about avoiding the issue. And to say that the cause of freedom has no credibility is almost blasphemous. And, you know, regarding the, the foreign money argument, I heard Ford bring this up and so did the federal government. This brings up an interesting point. Have you ever noticed how all of these supposed globalists who want to open borders and, and end our sovereign nation suddenly become not only nationalists, but nationalist socialists when it comes to enslaving their citizens and preventing them from consensually and voluntarily associating with one another? whether through censorship, lockdowns, or controlling their finances. What a bunch of hypocrites. Gord concludes, What you are doing is not what Canadians are. Take your families and go home. You've given Canada enough grief. End quote. Well, Gord, add yourself to being another intolerant and ignorant Canadian who should be ashamed of himself. I'm just... The papers are full of this. And finally, this one, this one's by Jennifer M., and because these are letter writers, I don't include their last names, okay? Some of them are just victims, but they still have to be called out. Lockdowns worked, says the heading to her letter. Why do some people insist lockdowns haven't worked? It seems every time one's imposed, COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations due to COVID drop significantly. Is this a coincidence? Speaking of hospitals, I assume that, should anti-maskers ever require surgery, they'll refuse to let the operation begin until the surgical team removes their masks. End quote. Well, first of all, the coincidence you refer to is just a consequence of, of propaganda. All of the cases you're hearing about, all of the um, statistics, they're all BS. They make them up. A case is a nothing. 
And, Jennifer, aside from your inconsiderate, insulting, and stupid, and non-sequitur suggestion about surgery for anti-maskers, have you ever heard of Omicron? And how the trend you've cited is perfectly natural and repeats itself with every new virus and its variants. The reason lockdowns haven't quote-unquote worked is because they have nothing to do with any drop in cases. It has always been known that lockdowns cannot stop viruses from spreading, and it is purely illogical to even think that this is possible, just like masks. Complete superstition. But having said that, the lockdowns have indeed worked for their intended purpose to enslave us and to force us into perpetual injections, tracking, tracing, and centralized control of every aspect of our lives. But of course, given the newspaper you're reading, there's no way you would know anything about this. Which brings me to my last point. Every one of the articles, essays, and letters to the editor that I've cited so far today, believe it or not, came from a single page of the London Free Press. Now consider the state of a person's mind who uncritically just absorbs all of the floating abstractions, the name-calling, and plain outright lies on a daily basis, in and out for the past two years or more. That person's mind has to be totally disconnected from reality. It's like I always say, it ain't so much what people don't know that gets them into trouble, it's what they do know. That just ain't so. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. We are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism or dishonor the memory of our veterans. So to those responsible for this behavior, it needs to stop. The level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China, um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. Uh, that I find quite interesting. Regardless of the fact that we are attacking your fundamental rights or limiting your fundamental rights, and the Charter says that's wrong, we're still going to go ahead and do it. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. We went after the funding. Our efforts combined with the city's efforts eliminated the GoFundMe. Ten million dollars are no longer accessible to the demonstrators. There are other funding avenues that we continue to aggressively go after through intelligence, information, coordination with financial institutions 
and all three levels of government. We are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. We will be relentless in pursuing the funding that has enabled this demonstration to continue to this point. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. I want to be very clear. The scope of these measures will be time-limited, geographically targeted, as well as reasonable and proportionate to the threats they are meant to address. The Emergencies Act will be used to strengthen and support law enforcement agencies at all levels across the country. This is about keeping Canadians safe, protecting people's jobs, and restoring confidence in our institutions. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. Justin Trudeau, I mean, I thought he was kind of a cool guy. And I started to read what he, he said. This is a couple of weeks ago. He was, or maybe this is September, but he was talking about people who are not vaccinated. He said they don't believe in science. They're often misogynistic, often racist. No, they're not. Mm, that was not that, smart of him at all. Right. He said, but they take up space. Mm. And oh. with that, we have to make a choice in terms of a leader as a country. Do we tolerate these people? It's like, tolerate these? Now you do sound that's, like no, Hitler. That's I think there are a lot of people in America who are confused about whether they should be wearing a mask. And in the United Kingdom, for example, they've scrapped that altogether. Well, that's interesting. You know, what is the downside of wearing a mask? I mean, it's got to be tough. You know, you have to wear pants. Uh, I mean, this is tough stuff. These societies are so cruel. Why do they make you wear pants? I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> we're very glad you have yours on. Actually, the emperors wear no clothes, which is just one of the reasons why, as Alex Jones said earlier, they're scared of you videotaping, they're scared of you watching. On the left, we see the use of force and weaponry of physical destruction. In Canada, we call that peace order and good government. On the right, we see the use of persuasion and the weaponry of communication. So if the government wields all the weapons of force, why are those cameras and microphones so powerful and so scary to our governments? Ponder the answer to that question while you wait with anticipation to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Uh, it's interesting finding out what Americans know about Canadian politics. The only thing they do know is the name Justin Trudeau, and uh, even then it's Jason sometimes. <laughs> it's Jason most of the time. Or that hot guy that's like president, but in Canada. <laughs> it's usually that. They're not wrong though, like Justin Trudeau seems like a bit of an accident <laughs> to me.
Like, I feel like the Canadian government were having a meeting on how to make their politics a little bit more sexy. And then Justin burst into the room and he was like, is this where the auditions for rent are? 